You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I am broadcasting live, but mostly recorded from the Vivid Seat Studios, and I am out of air. Whew. Rock that bad boy on one breath. What you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. I haven't quite figured out the extended intro with the breathing yet. That hasn't quite come to uh to completion you know what leave me alone i use whatever words i choose start your own podcast and you can use fancy words all right with your degree and your fancy learnings i don't care anyways good to be back after my completely unplanned but much needed day off hitting snooze never felt so good and i did that for a grand total of geez i don't know i think i slept for a little over 10 hours and that was awesome i should have known there wasn't going to be a podcast when at 7 30 i just completely passed out <laughs> Body just said, nope, no more of this. But anyways, on the docket for the day, um, there's kind of a lot, which is why taking days off is not a good thing. Had a thought that I'd like to address. Um, The assistants to the Pack Daddy are doing a fantastic job, gentlemen. I am sorry that I have not reached out. Um, We'll be in contact very, very soon, but very busy day yesterday. My wife does a masterful job of filling every second of every day, and uh, she was on point yesterday. But I've got um, got a little thought that I'd like to express. You know what? I should wait till tomorrow for that. Because I could get pretty heavy into positivity. We'll save that for tomorrow. Let me make a note. Notes are hard. Forget it. Never mind. So today we're going to focus on um, strategy number one. How the Green Bay Packers are going to beat the Detroit Lions. See, the the thing is, this is so at the front of my brain, it's just going to come out. I can feel it. Whatever. I do what I want. Then after that, at the conclusion, I want to go through the games that are playing today. Uh, Not going necessarily game by game, but kind of looking at the bigger picture of what games are happening and how this all impacts the Green Bay Packers and the rest of the season. Bottom line is, I have no idea what's about to happen. Let's let's. I guess we'll just find out. We'll find out together. In other words, this is just another day on the Packer Night podcast. Also, currently sitting at 239 iTunes reviews. That is really awesome, except for the part where it's not really a round number. You know what is a round number? 250. So if there are 11 souls out there willing to leave a five-star iTunes review, it would be so greatly appreciated, and I'm not asking you to lie. If you think the show's worth it, please leave a review. And if you've already left a five-star iTunes review, I would never, ever ask you to make a second account of any kind or ask, you know, somebody sitting next to you with with an Apple device to, to do something on your behalf because that would be immoral. Only one review per person. Don't you ever, ever do something like that. I would be so ashamed if anybody did that. And and all of a sudden we went from this to double the amount of... I, that would be the worst thing ever. Don't you dare. I will be so ashamed of you. Anyways, if you've done that already, make sure you're in the Facebook group. Make sure you're checking out the stock market game, which uh, that should be done by today. Needs to be done today because we're running out of time. Although, I do have a day off today, to uh, tomorrow and today. It's a good thing. So we'll see how it goes. But y'all are going to have to be on alert because I am very much a last-minute kind of person. 
If my seventh grade English teacher got over it, so will you. Anyways, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. The only thing that's going to be better this weekend than smashing the Detroit Lions is making a bunch of money when they do it. My bookie is your place this week for all the fun on Monday Night Football. As of this morning, the Green Bay Packers are still four-point favorites, with the over-under sitting at 45. If you're not looking for spreads and totals, but player props like how many rushing yards Aaron Jones gets or how many interceptions Stafford throws, you can also do that. And it's not too late to get an NFC North ticket or other season-long predictions. And that's really just scratching the surface because we've teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you this great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so we're going to do our, I don't like calling it strategy. I don't, I don't know why, but it's really just my thoughts on what we need to do to win and what you know we can do to lose this game, essentially. So I want to start with the Detroit Lions on offense and our needs on defense. So, it, actually, you know what? Let me back up a little bit because uh, the, the um, assistants to the Pack Daddy have done a lot of work and a lot of research. So let's let's lay the groundwork a little bit, maybe get a little bit of background information on the Detroit Lions and a few other things, and we'll attack it from that point because I don't want this stuff to go unmentioned. It's very, very important and relevant. So a couple of bullet points first off from Travis, the uh, main source here coming from the Detroit Free Press. Number one, the Lions are able to move the ball well. They only have eight three-and-outs on the season. How will the Packers secondary hold up was his question. So they're efficient. Now, the the first thing that comes to mind is that it's kind of a conflict that's either going to go in our favor or against us. Because traditionally, the teams we've gone up against, we have completely stymied, either stymied, and then on the other end of it, they get big plays, like the Minnesota Vikings, for example, or, or even Dallas, even though Dallas was somewhat moving the ball somewhat effectively. But it's kind of like defense is great, 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 great big play for the offense. Bullet point number two, the Packers need to make Stafford uncomfortable to help the Packers secondary enforce mistakes. Stafford has thrown two interceptions and lost two fumbles already. The fumbles are kind of a lot. I don't think two interceptions is that big. What do they have? Four, so he's on pace for eight. Eh. But we have talked about uh, two days ago, last time I did a show, about... Um, how bad he has been, and historically how bad he is under pressure. 
So definitely, definitely, definitely something we're going to have to do and we'll talk about is pressure. The Lions defense is tied for sixth in the NFL with eight takeaways so far, six of which was forced uh, fumble recoveries. Now, I, I saw that and I read that in the last episode. The problem is we're talking about a small sample size and essentially one game in which it was just literally every single possession was a fumble recovery for the Detroit Lions with the ensuing um, play by the Detroit Lions being a fumble recovery for the Chiefs. It was a wild game, and it, it is a concern, and the, the, Matt LaFleur even addressed it at one point during the press conference, saying that it's very important that they've been practicing ball security because the Detroit Lions are on point as far as punching the ball. Now, the good thing about that, let me just address that real quick. We've seen, including last week with Jair trying to punch the ball out and didn't make a tackle, Trying to punch the ball out is not called form tackling. Now, there is a way to do it, but either way, you're, you're not tackling as well as you should be. So if the Packers are doing a good job of securing the ball, they have a real good chance of getting a lot of extra yardage because you got guys that are maybe trying to grab you with one arm and punch the ball out with the other, which you should be able to run through. So make sure you're securing the ball, make that your number one priority, and run hard. Because you got a bunch of guys punching, you don't have a bunch of guys tackling. So it's a scary thing, but it can work to our advantage, and we need to make them pay for doing that because we want them to stop doing that. Please go back to normal tackling because eventually they're going to get the ball out. Do not reward them because then they're just going to want to do it more. Make them pay for doing that. Final note here, the Lions special teams has been awful, averaging 39.2 net yards, uh, punting, missed an extra point, blocked punt, and penalty. That's really good because one of the... I, I, it hasn't gone unknown because J.K. Scott has been praised to the hilt as he deserves. But field position is a very, very important part of football. It, it has to do with momentum and a lot of other stuff. The Packers definitely have to do a better job of covering the punts and, and getting guys down after a punt and whatnot. I don't think that has been very good. That's something the Packers historically have been sort of good at. I know that a lot of penalties and bad punting and everything else. But as far as having that gunner like Janice or whoever get down the field and smoke somebody, we don't really have that guy. But this can be a huge advantage for us if we can kind of clean it up a little bit because if they're not able to to play that special teams aspect, if they're not able to rely consistently on things like you know field goals and punting and we're going to have a huge advantage in the field position game, that, that's a massive advantage, especially when we're at home and they're on the road. It's not a good situation for them. So that was a final note there. Thank you very much, Mr. Travis. Uh, Justin was doing a little bit of spying on the enemy, listening to the uh, Lockdown Lions podcast, as well as the um, the Lions SRD, which is the Overtime Lions podcast. And I think I actually brought this up because I was I must have been reading it and kind of brought it up. But something that was mentioned on Lockdown is the notion that the Lions are playing their best football and are just falling short, whereas the Packers are not playing to their anywhere near their full potential. Every single one of these games, including their wins, there's something that just wasn't clicking, right? The first two wins, it was like, where is the offense? There have also been massive mishaps with the defense, giving up big points. Even if it's in garbage time, it's still kind of like, all right, cool it. And even Mike, Mike Pettin has, has addressed that, saying, listen, I, I took my foot off the gas. You can't do that in the NFL. That was a my bad. The, the problem is, or I guess it's kind of a problem, but it's it's one of those things, at least from the Lions' standpoint, that what they need to happen is to be playing their best football and for the Packers to continue essentially doing what they have been doing, which is not really clicking right. Because that has the potential for the Lions to be above the Packers and to win this game. 
I believe genuinely, and I, I it sounds as though the the lockdown host seems to also believe this, and maybe many Lions fans do as well. The Packers are a, are definitively a better team. If the Packers are playing at full octane, ready to go, Packers win this nine and a half times out of ten at home. Maybe it's different, you know, in in Detroit, but at home, nine times out of ten, the Packers are going to win this. If the Packers are playing full on open throttle. So that also kind of brings me back to what I've been saying on a, some on some of these games. Just don't shoot yourself in the foot. You're the better team. You're better than they are. You, you know, the, the pass rush, the quarterback, the the run game, the everything is is fine. It's good enough. More than good enough to put this one away. Uh, the the final note that I'll look here that Justin came up with listening to that podcast. They they had three keys to beating the Packers, and I don't necessarily disagree with them. But let's run through them. Number one, throw the ball and stretch the field. The Cowboys threw for 440 yards, and it worked for them towards the end. I'm gonna sort of disagree with that. There's some truth to it, but the strength of the defense is number one, the pass rush. Number two, coverage. I'm telling you right now that I want nothing more than the Detroit Lions to come out saying, we're going to tell Matt Stafford to sit in the pocket and uncork that thing down the field. I understand that it could lead to some big plays and some scary moments, but that's exactly what the Packers want. Give us opportunities to get your quarterback. Give us opportunities to take that ball away. What I don't want you to do is to commit to the run game because that's going to give you the opportunity to keep Rodgers and the offense off the field, to grind this defense down and tire them out, to, to send, you know, I mean, and, I think this note is somewhere, but let me just touch on it briefly. Somebody somewhere in these notes has, has mentioned the fact that the Detroit Lions have gone against eight-man boxes a lot. So you look at the, the slow progress of the Detroit Lions, I think that has a lot to do with teams saying, we're not going to let you run, we're going to force you to pass. The Packers aren't going to do that. So they're going to have the opportunity to run the ball, and I think they will. Now, maybe I'm wrong, maybe, maybe the, you know... Maybe Mike Pettin is looking at this saying, no, we're going to stack the box because if, if we stack the box and you're going to go ahead and throw, then we're going to let you do that. I just don't see that happening. If we're, if we're not going to stack the box against Dalvin Cook, I don't think we're going to stack the box against Carrion Johnson. We played some two linebacker against the Dallas Cowboys because we got completely embarrassed by the Eagles and because this offensive line is every bit as good, if not pot, well, no, not with the injuries, but every bit as good as the Eagles offensive line and, and Zeke is better than anything the Eagles had. So I'm, I'm going to disagree with them on that point, but I sure hope that's the game plan for the Detroit Lions coming in. And as far as the 440 yards, that was mostly garbage time. Even though they were successful throwing the ball, I'll grant them that. That's too too piped up. Number two, pressure Rodgers like they pressured Mahomes and Wentz. I, I would say that there's a lot of truth to that. What I would like to see the Packers do is get to the point where pressure really is going to hurt you. They do occasionally throw a lot of quick passes and things like that, you, know, you look at, for example, Tom Brady. Blitzing Tom Brady is a death sentence because somebody's wide open within a half a second of, of snapping the ball. There's somebody running a quick slant. There's somebody over here that running a screen. If you get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, a lot of the time these routes take times take time to develop. So well, what's going to happen is you got somebody in the flat, but Rodgers doesn't want to throw to that guy. So he's going to roll out, and he's going to look for somebody, and maybe he'll hit the, the, the quick pass, but there's going to be somebody there that smokes him for a zero-yard gain. More than likely, he's just going to throw the ball away. So you're not probably going to get a lot of the, the same results that you hope. The, the offensive line has actually been doing a really good job, despite the fact that Billy Turner has really been struggling in, in pass blocking. As far as keeping him clean, the, the Packers have done a great job at blocking. And as far as protecting the ball, nobody protects the ball like Aaron Rodgers. You getting a pick is very, very, very unlikely. It can happen, but if, if that's the idea, and they're, they're not saying that. But I, th- I do think 
pressuring Rodgers is important because one of the things that really frustrates this offense is when things aren't really clicking. And you don't want to let Rodgers get into a rhythm. That's the most lethal thing. Now, I shouldn't even say Rodgers, and I'll talk more about that tomorrow. But this offense, getting this offense into a rhythm is lethal, especially early on because you see how quickly they rack up the score, and they just keep doing that until you take them out of that rhythm. And then once you take them out, it kind of dies off. So yeah, I would probably agree with that, that you want to pressure early, get them out of the rhythm early, and, and just get into kind of a, a, a lock-your-horn stalemate and see if you can come out on top. Because the way the Packers have been winning is just completely rack up the score by having this rhythm that the defense doesn't know how to, how to slow down. So yeah, but you know the counterpoint for the Packers is be ready for that and, and have a plan for that. Then again, the Lions don't really have pass rushers, so I'm not super worried about it. I mean, Trey Flowers is fine, but good luck. This is probably the least talented pass rush group that we've gone up against all year. In fact, it's not even close. It's not even close to being close. Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, Denver Broncos, Minnesota Vikings, Chicago Bears. Some of the best pass rush teams in the NFL, and then the Lions, who just aren't great at it. So, just saying. Best of luck to you. Number three, punter Sam Martin, no balls out of the back of the end zone, no shanks. So it, it is interesting because they, they bring it up. And this is the second time that note has been brought up. I mean, it's so serious that <laughs> that on three points only, in far, as far as beating the Packers, the punter comes up. That's how bad things are. But, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at his statistics right now. It's, it's ugly. Because I wanted to see, is it like, did he have one bad game? Has he had, maybe it's just a, a slow start to this year, but he's been good otherwise. He was a good punter for the first four years in Detroit. Fairly good. He's been pretty bad for the last three years. And looking at this year so far through four weeks... He punted eight times in week one for a, a yards per attempt. I'm not talking net yards. Yards per attempt, 39.3 yards. That is so bad. I mean, unless you're just punting from the 50 every single time, that's bad. The problem is the hang time is 4.11. If you're only kicking at 37 yards, you should be kicking it straight up in the air, meaning that sucker should be hanging up there for almost five seconds. That's what JK would do, unless you're just kicking it out of bounds. I, I don't know, but it's bad. Week two, uh, 44 yards per attempt, which is still relatively low, and only four uh, second hang time, four flat. Just to give you an, an idea, J.K. Scott is averaging 48.3 yards per attempt. 4.69 is his average hang time. On average, week three, 36.8 net yards per attempt, 4.46. Week four, 43.7, 4.15 hang time on average. His longest punt of the year has been 55 yards. J.K.'s was 66. So he has not averaged in a game, in one game through four weeks, as much as J.K. is averaging for the season. J.K.'s worst yards per attempt was 41.5 yards, and his hang time in that game was 4.73 on average. And a little bit of a humble brag here. Last week, his yards per attempt, 49.5, hang time, 4.94. On average, through six punts, he's averaging about 50 yards and five seconds hang time. On average, longest punt in that game was 58 yards. So it's pretty bad. And, and like I said, it's been three years of pretty bad. His um, yards per attempt average last season was 44.7 yards. The year before that, 43.8 Average hang time the last three seasons. So far this year, 4.18. The last two years, 4.26 and 4.20. Those are bad numbers. So, you know, the, the reason I wanted to look into it is because I wanted to see, is this kind of a fluke or is this just he's just not a good punter? And the answer is he's just not a good punter. Uh, finally, I've got a few notes here. This one is from Seth. 
uh, did a really, really fantastic job breaking down. Um, it's just called the Detroit Lions podcast, but I'll run through some of the notes that they said because some of it is kind of silly. Uh, first of all, the Lions are in control of their own destiny. Of course they are. Every, every single team, for the most part, is in control of their own destiny because it's only been five weeks. Unless you're 0-5, and even then, you know, 11-5 and gets you into the playoffs. So nobody is out of the playoffs yet. So not a real big take on that, that one. Secondly, the Packers were lucky against Dallas. The Cowboys were able to move the ball up and down the field, but the Cowboys were simply their own worst enemy. That's silly. The Dallas Cowboys can be that game can be summed up in two ways. The 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 Detroit Lions or excuse me, the Dallas Cowboys played really well. The Packers came up big in big situations, and the offense dominated the Dallas Cowboys defense. I mean, if you want to play this game, I can say that you guys came up lucky when you almost beat the Chiefs and lost. How many turnovers did you have in that game? I mean, if we're going to call turnovers and things like that lucky, um, and just say that the Chiefs were their own worst enemy, then okay, you guys got very lucky. And you should have got obliterated and dominated in that game. Packers had three interceptions, but the secondary is overrated because the passes were errant by Dak. Um, I don't think all of the passes were errant. It was a beautiful interception by, what was it, Chandon Sullivan? And the, the, the fact of the matter is, can very easily you can go back and look at the rest of the season. Was this one bad game by a quarterback or a really good secondary? I don't know. What did they do all the rest of the year? See, this would be so much better to say for tomorrow, but we're doing it today. People just got to run their mouth all the time. Let's see. Most, what, what do they say here? Talk to me, Seth. What are they talking about? They only had one pass breakup. Packers had many things going their way. Hey, Chief, Jair Alexander has more pass breakups than any corner in the NFL. They're not overrated. Kevin King is tied for seventh with four pass breakups. Essentially, he's fourth. I mean, he's tied for seventh because there's a bunch of people. There's one guy with eight. That's Jair. Stephon Gilmore has six. A bunch of guys have five. And then King with a bunch of other guys have four. Interceptions on the year. Only one guy has three. That's Janoris Jenkins. Um, A handful of guys have two picks, one of which is Kevin King. And then a bunch of guys have one, um, one of them being Jair Alexander. You know what I don't see a lot of on this list? Detroit Lions. I know that wasn't your point, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it back in your face. Darius Slay's got one. I don't see any other Detroit Lions on here. Where you at? Where they at, though? Because, you know, Darius Slay is a big lockdown, super good corner, right? Justin Coleman's got five pass breakups. He's a freak. Yeah, Jair's got eight, though, so sorry about that. I'm just saying, overrated what? By the way, the Green Bay Packers have three corners right now that are in the top 20. Chandon Sullivan, granted he hasn't played that much, but he's got 42, he's got a full game under his belt, he's currently rated as the 10th best corner in football. Jair Alexander is rated 19th, and Tremont Williams is rated 20th. Sorry Kevin King fans, he's not there, but you know, he's rated 55th, so it's something. (laughs) People are going to be so mad. (laughs) Point is though, saying the Packers secondary is overrated is kind of foolish. They've been gashed, They've had some issues, but anybody actually watching these guys understands that it's a, it's a scary secondary. They, they can be taken advantage of. You know, we, we've had two games now, one in which Kevin King gave up like 200 yards, one in which Jair gave up like 200 yards. I don't know how to exactly reconcile that in my mind, how you can have one, one week a guy locks everybody down, and the next week he can't cover anybody. I have no idea how that's a thing, but apparently it's a thing. Also, this is the first time I've ever seen somebody with a 99.9 grade. Orlando Skandrick... Overall, right now, has a 97.4 grade. His pass rush grade is a 99.9. Only five attempts, but he has two sacks in a hurry. Pretty good at that stuff, I guess. Anyways, moving on. 
Packers aren't as dominant as it appears. They can't stop the run, and that's how you beat them with a heavy load of carry-on. That is going to be their best bet. However, we saw Dak. We saw a really, really heavy load of Dalvin Cook. Even when they were down by a lot, they didn't take the foot off the gas with Dalvin Cook. They kept pounding them. They still lost. Packers still beat that team, but, you know. So, in other words, the part about that's how you beat them, it hasn't been proven, but I would agree that that would be your best shot. And, yeah, stop, stopping the run has been a problem, but two points on that. Number one, there are several guys who are not playing up to their full potential, like um, Kenny Clark right now is really, really not playing well, and I, I, I don't know, and I would like to, wish I had the time to go look. I don't know if this is him maybe being double teamed and getting blown off. I don't know if you get graded negatively for that or what. But the point is, if he ends up playing back to just his normal potential, that's not going to be great for teams going up against the Packers. And there's every reason to believe he's going to get better. Number two, the Packers are deliberately playing against the pass. They are playing with one linebacker. That linebacker, by the way, is is playing really terribly. Um, every single week you're seeing missed assignments. I mean, it's very simple, gap, one gap assignment. You are in this gap, just don't let him run through it. He doesn't know what gap to go to, or he just stands there, lets a blocker come through his gap, push him out of the way, and then somebody runs right through there. And because they're playing with 55 DBs on the field, all of which are in man coverage with their back to the play, he's able to not just get through that hole, but there's 20 yards of green grass. So a lot of it has to do with scheme. So the point is, if they load up the box... I don't know that they'll be quite as successful. The Packers are still struggling to be fundamentally sound in their assignments, but it's it's a mix of not good fundamental football and scheme that are causing this. In other words, if I'm a Lions fan looking at this, I'm not 100% positive that this is going to be carried on throughout the entire year. We've got, you know, linebackers coming in that have not played. You got Oren Burks coming in, you got BJ Goodson starting to play more, um, and we're still waiting on Kenny Clark to get his act together. And we'll see what happens with the scheme going forward. But yeah, you know, if the Packers still are having trouble against the run, maybe your offensive line, which is not as good as Dallas or the Eagles, or probably even the Bears for that matter, along with your running back, who is not as good as Dalvin Cook, or maybe even Philip Lindsay or Dak Prescott, maybe that group can, can run all over and you can win that way. Even though Dallas couldn't and, you know, Eagles did, they won, but... um a lot of run-heavy teams. This is not the first run-heavy team we've gone up against and beat. And, and again, I agree with you. It's just, just the flippant attitude of, they're not that good. Just run against them and you'll beat them. No, that's, that's not true. Devontae Adams is potentially out and their wide receivers are beyond trash. Just need to stop Aaron Jones. See, this is what happens when you pop off too much. This, this also isn't true. Aaron Jones has not done a single flippant thing until last week. Not one single thing until last week. And yeah, Devontae obviously is, is very, very important. Devontae so far this year, 378 yards, zero touchdowns. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has 235 and a touchdown. Aaron Jones has 156. Jimmy Graham, 132 and two touchdowns. Geronimo, 104 and two touchdowns. On top of that, we got Mercedes Lewis with 69. Tanyan was 66. Jamal, 55 and a touchdown. Vitaly, 51. Trevor, well, Trevor Davis is gone. Kumaro, 21. Trey Carson, 18. The ball's getting distributed pretty easily. If you watched last week, which presumably you did, you didn't see them passing the ball as much as you're used to, but you did see them pass the ball with ease, with no Devontae and a bunch of quote-unquote trash receivers. Listen, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the receivers. Anybody listening to the podcast knows that. But calling them trash is silly. 
And again, if you're watching this objectively, you should be a little bit worried because what we're seeing consistently are guys like Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Marquez. All these guys are getting open. So regardless of trash or not, if they can get schemed open, then their trash selves just need to catch a trash football from this trash quarterback and run their trash legs down the trash field into the trash end zone. And guess what? You're losing. Your trash football team is losing because they're trash. That last part was actually true, by the way. Lions are kind of trash, but, you know. What else we got here? Man, we're not going to get through what I thought we were going to get through today, but this is fun. This is why I wanted to do this. I I, I want to hear what people are saying so I can just argue with them being silly. I won't say really harsh things because I want everyone to like me and all, as you can tell. What else we got here? Uh, yeah, Devontae's going to be out a long time. Turf toe, I got it. Yeah, I understand. Sidarius is not 100%. He hasn't been 100% for a while. He's still going to destroy you, so whatever. Uh, they go on to say that, um, you know, the, the pass rushers are a little banged up and the Detroit Lions are, are decent against the, uh, you know, pass blocking. Mm, eh. They have not given up a lot of sacks, and that's pretty true. Although, let's keep in mind, they, they PFF has what's called uh, pass blocking efficiency rating. How many times have you dropped back to pass? How many times has your offensive line allowed pressures on those attempts. They're currently ranked uh, 24th. Now, apparently, the NFC North is just trash because the Detroit Lions are 24th, Minnesota's 25th, the Packers are... Haha. <laughs> Packers are tied with the Minnesota Vikings at 25th. So, just just saying. Meh. And yes, before you go popping off at the mouth, Oh, I thought Packers were pretty good. Again, some of the best pass rush teams in the NFL, which you are not, at all, even a little bit, not saying you're not going to get any pressures, but, you know, I mean, I, all I'm trying to do is take what you're saying and apply actual information to it rather than just saying things into a microphone. That's kind of what I do, but I try to at least put a little bit of effort into what I say rather than just spewing silliness. Uh, Packers are trash. Detroit's pretty good against the pass and the pass rush. And the Come on now. Google something. Granted, these are just bullet points. I haven't actually listened. Maybe, maybe they're backing it up. But you're not doing a good job because you're wrong if you're actually providing information that says you're good at this stuff. Uh, he goes on to say he wants to play like they did with Jim Bob Cooter and that we're overly aggressive and all they got to do is run a bunch of screens. Jim Bob Cooter isn't your offensive coordinator anymore, um, so I don't know where you're going with that. But again, just this sort of flip. Like, all you got to do is simple. Just run the ball, run a bunch of screens, uh, get a bunch of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, bit of bing, bada boom. Two seconds ago, they were from Chicago. Now they're from New York. People from Detroit don't have an accent, so I don't know what to do with that. Dallas didn't have any problems getting wide receivers open against the Packers secondary. It was just about having enough time. That's relatively true and is troubling. Again, I think... I can't even say a lot of it is scheme because Jair Jair just had a bad day. He had a really bad day. But again, I would just caution Detroit Lions fans. You you, you could be right. And, And listen... My whole thing is get pressure on Stafford because if you allow him to sit in the pocket, he's going to pick us apart. You've got good enough wide receivers and a good good, good enough quarterback. All that's true. But if if the premise is they got trash corners, it's going to be fine. Dude, you better hope because when they're on, nobody's getting open. Nobody. So we'll see. Um, Goes on to talk about how the Colts, uh, the only reason they beat the Chiefs is because they tried to be like the Lions. Therefore, the Lions have the scheme to beat the Packers. There's so much wrong with that thought process. It doesn't necessarily have to be incorrect, but it doesn't automatically follow. 
The Colts beat the Chiefs because the Colts were better than the Chiefs. You lost to the Chiefs because you're not as good as the Chiefs. But if you want to pat yourself on the back and pretend you're... That's okay, fine. We'll pretend that the Lions figured out how to beat the Chiefs, except, you know, the whole part about let's punch the ball out every single time isn't exactly what they did, but okay. The point is, the Packers aren't the Chiefs. So... That's not exactly how that works. There's only two ways that it works. One, the Packers and Chiefs are the exact same offense. Therefore, our scheme will beat the Packers, even though you lost to the Chiefs. But I'm trying to help you out here. Second would be the idea that we have a defensive genius who can come up with a perfect scheme for every single team because that one time we almost beat the Chiefs, and the Colts did beat the Chiefs because they tried to be like the Lions, even though they played different than the Lions and actually beat the Chiefs, unlike us. But still, defensive genius... Therefore, he'll be able to figure out the Packers. Therefore, we'll beat the Packers. Doesn't work, man. Lions can be in this game unless they completely collapse with a meltdown like the Cowboys did. Uh, no. You're only in this game if the Packers melt down. That would be the more correct way to say it. The Cowboys didn't melt down. They mounted a massive comeback. I don't know what you're even talking about. Uh, interesting note here. The Lions are concerned about teams using running backs in the passing game. Not a lot of faith in their linebacking core to stop the pass from the backfield. Their linebackers are really, really bad. Uh, they needed a guy like Javid Best to be a good linebacker. He hasn't been thus far. They go on to say linebackers have showed improvement, but are not to the point of confidence to stop Jones out of the backfield and, and to stop Jones in general. Granted, they typically have the defensive front. They don't need to worry about it as much with the run game, but it is still a concern because if we're able to get to that next level, we just got a bunch of really not great linebackers. So, good note there. Thank you. Uh, Tracy Walker versus Jimmy Graham, a big matchup to look for in this game. Yeah, maybe. The, the The problem with that is if Tracy Walker's playing really, really good football, and he has been a really good safety. I've been keeping an eye on him since last year. Um, they're just not going to go to Jimmy Graham. As I mentioned, the Packers are distributing the ball everywhere. If Jimmy's not getting open, which, you know, Jimmy never really gets open. He's just big, and you throw it up, and he catches it. But if, if Tracy Walker takes him away, that's one of the benefits of, of not having Devontae in a way. In the past, when Devontae's on the field and you take away Devontae, Rodgers looks at Devontae, he wants to go to Devontae, Devontae's not there, and then there's pass rush, and then he has to scramble. With Devontae not being on the field, he's, he's, he's going to throw to anybody. He's got seven different options to throw to. You're covering one. Again, that's great you took away Jimmy Graham. Where's Mercedes? Where's MVS? Where's Aaron Jones? Where's Danny Vitale? Where's Geronimo Allison? That's, that's the problem with this offense that you're going to have in the pass game. It's, it's cool that you got one guy, but it's not a matter of one guy versus one guy. The, the Packers' philosophy is right now, especially, is to spread the ball around. And you don't know who it's going to be, right? If we've got Devontae, you know we're trying to scheme Devontae open. We want to find a way to get him the ball. He's not there. So now we just pick somebody, and it's, it's like rock, paper, scissors, except maybe that's not the right game. Whatever. Forget rock, paper, scissors. The bottom line is we're going to run a play that tries to isolate one player and you have zero idea who it's going to be the fact that you think jimmy graham is like the big guy to watch for nah dude if you're expending extra resources if you're taking tracy walker who's a really good safety and you're going to assign him to jimmy graham that is a terrible idea you need him back because mvs is going deep and your corners aren't going to be able to run with him stride for stride you want to play single high against that that's a bad idea uh lions need to contain aaron Rodgers. Mm. I guess. He hasn't been that effective on the on the rollouts anyways. And beyond that, even if you try to contain him, he still gets free. He's just super slippery. He slides up, he slides to the side, he's moving all over the place, and he'll probably just end up throwing it away. You're right about pressure, but contain? Eh. He doesn't run that much anymore. Uh, carry on needs to have a big game. Yeah, yeah. Finally won't be facing eight-man boxes, probably. But that also... See, this is, this is the, the counterpoint to this, though. 
the passing game is going to suffer. If you're going up against eight-man boxes and you're not really able to run the ball but you're throwing with relative success and now you're, you're trying to brag about how your receivers are going to be open, why, why would you think that's the case? Well, Dallas's guys got open. Okay, well, go watch some other games. Just trust me when I tell you the Packers want nothing more than for you to sit back and throw the ball. And, and your plan should be to run the ball, and you better be successful doing it. Because if you can't run the ball, you're already done. Again, this, this whole idea that this is basically the Detroit Lions game to, to lose. Like, we got this. Their corners aren't that good. Blah, blah, blah. No, dude, you already lost. You've got to hit on very specific things and have a really good and really clean game, which is not what the Detroit Lions do. The biggest reason you guys lose isn't even talent. It's the fact that you can't close. If, if the Packers have been anything this year, it's been closers coming up big on third down. You don't want to play from behind. You want to play from behind, and you're going to try to sit back in the pocket and complete a pass with Zadarius and Preston and all these guys bearing down on you, and you're going to launch up a ball headed towards Jair and Chandon and Amos and Kevin King. And I, That's just that's dangerous territory, man. The Packers want nothing more than for you to play from behind, play panicked, and play rushed. That's when you make mistakes, and that's when we play our best. He goes on to say Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones can abuse the Packers second. Oh my goodness, you guys are delusional. Absolutely delusional. The Dallas Cowboys threw for a bunch of yards in the second half when the Packers were up by 30 points and the, and the defense took the foot off the gas. Right? And Mike Pettin already threw up his hands and said, yep, my bad. I figured we were up high enough that I could take my foot off and, and play some prevent or something. Or, or Not that they were playing prevent, but we, we can kind of take it easy and they wouldn't be able to catch up. And lo and behold, they just about caught us. That's a my bad. Won't be happening again. But yeah, you know, maybe, you know, if you guys get down by 30, you'll be able to throw all over and obliterate this trash secondary blah blah. Whatever, dude. Man, see, I love doing this because it gets me geeked up for the game to where I want the Packers to just absolutely smack the living spit out of their mouths. I, I had to censor that and it sounded weird, but just trust me that that was an awesome thing that I just said. Just fill in the blanks there. Erase a couple words right in your own. Make it sound cool. Maybe get in the group and tell me what you came up with. I mean, you'd smack the spit out of their mouth. It's kind of cool, right? I sound cool sometimes, right, guys? Just, just, just absolute disrespect to Jair and, and King and, and, and all in the secondary. And really to the pass rush. Oh, they're just going to abuse them. Okay. Goes on to elaborate saying that maybe our wide receivers aren't quite as good, but they're good enough to find gaps in zone. Uh, yeah, we don't really play a lot of zone, so best of luck there. And Stafford is miles better than Prescott. Arguably better, Miles is ridiculous. Uh, Mike Daniels' vindication game, he's not playing, so sorry about that. Then, And this is how you know things are just wildly delusional. Toward the end of the show, talking about that Jared Davis isn't 100%, but he, he should be playing and will be able to bring pressure. Jared Davis is a linebacker, and he's one of the worst linebackers in all of football, and he's terrible at everything. Granted, pass rush is the one thing he's usually good at. He's, he's even been bad at that this year. 15 attempts, 2 pressures, whoop de doop both of them were hurries. Zero sacks, zero hits on the season. His overall grade for the year, this guy that you're putting your hope in, 29.4. Let me help you out here, Lions fans. For, for PFF, the grades go 60 is average, 50 is bad, 40 is, is you know, well, 50 is below average, 40 is bad, 30 is dumpster fire, 20 is why are you on a football field? Anything below that and we just laugh. Uh, goes on to say Deshaun Hand will be key to bringing pressure. Uh, Hand is questionable, but usually that means he's probably going to be playing. Uh, I don't believe Deshaun Hand has played a single snap this year. 
But again, we're kind of in delusional territory if this is your great hope for pressure. Unless he takes a big leap, which probably isn't going to happen his first week back. But he wasn't very good at that last year. He is a run defender, just like every single one of your defensive linemen outside of Trey Flowers and, I guess, Mike Daniels, who isn't playing. These guys are good against the run. That's it. He had 25 pressures and three sacks on the season last year. Zadarius Smith in five weeks has 30 pressures and five sacks already. If you're, if you're crying about, well, he's a pass rusher. Okay, Kenny Clark has 23 pressures and two sacks. And he's off to a slow start this year. In five weeks, 23 pressures, two sacks. Deshaun Hand had 25 and three sacks all year. And he played all year. Well, with the exception of the last couple weeks. He played, f- what, 13 games? 14 with a bye mixed in there? 14 weeks, I mean. He's not good at it. I don't know where you're getting this information from. He's not good. I mean, you know, it was his rookie year. Maybe he gets better, but he's going to help your run defense. He's not going to help your pass rush. Why am I explaining your team to you? This is ridiculous. Anyways, that's that's basically it. Um, just elaborating on some of these injuries now. Uh, Mike Daniels and Amani Aruarie, their rookie corner, are officially out. Amendola, Quandre Diggs, Deshaun Hand, TJ Hawkinson, Ashawn Robinson, Darius Slay are all questionable. Presumably, all of them are going to play for the Packers, just as a quick update. Devontae, obviously, is out. Montrevious is good to go. Tony Brown is doubtful. Um, well, we'll just skip around a little bit here. Darnell Savage and Robert Tanyan are both out. Most of these guys are full participation, so pretty much everybody I would expect will play. Balaga, obviously, is going to play. Kenny Clark, I'm assuming, is going to play. Jimmy Graham, Kevin King, Mercedes, all these guys are, are limited to full. Anybody that didn't practice was ruled out. So, I mean, it's not a good situation. But as far as injuries go, Devontae's the one that's kind of devastating. Darnell Savage hurts, but we saw some guys step up, which is huge. And that, that's going to be real key in this game as well. And hopefully we get Darnell back real, real soon. But, I mean, Robert Tanyan and, and Tony Brown, I really like Tony Brown. I really like Robert Tanyan. We don't need them to win this game. Anyways, let's take a quick break. I don't think we're going to get to... Uh, the game breakdowns. Maybe I'll do a second podcast for that if I have time, but we'll get back to the whole strategy thing now that we did the notes. Thanks again, guys, for getting all those notes together. Be right back. All right, so anyways, getting back to it. I really think from a defensive standpoint for the Green Bay Packers, the number one thing, and this is what's been talked about by LaFleur and and Pettin, you got to stop the big play stuff, man. So many times, it's not even so much that teams are super dominant it's that the Packers' defense is dominant, and then one big play blows it open. And so when you look at that drive, you've got, what, nine great plays by the defense, one play by the Lions. It's like, well, the Packers were much better on that drive, but if you look at the drive result, what do you see? You see 75 yards and a touchdown. And then you start stacking those, and that's how you get to 400 passing yards and, and however many touchdowns. That's how that ha- That's how uh, Jared um, Dalvin Cook ends up getting so many yards. Right? Oh, Dalvin just carved him up. No, he got bottled up a lot. Dalvin Cook did not have that good of a game, but he had one or two really big runs. One of them was like a 70-yard touchdown. So the point is, I think the Packers have a really good game plan coming in. I don't even want them necessarily to change out of their, their nickel and dime defense. I think really trying to play that way, um, even with the run defense being somewhat hindered, as long as there isn't super big plays, which isn't, you know, you can't keep it down forever. But prevent the the big touchdowns, whether it be through the run or the pass. Because if you're going to run the ball, even at six yards a clip, you're really just playing into the Packers' hands. Because they want you to take your time. They want to give the, the defense as many opportunities to get to you, to get the ball as possible. We've seen that. We saw it with Dallas several times where they're just, they're really, car- 
all the teams they've gone up against, where they're really moving down the field with some efficiency, and then you see one play where the Packers bottle them up. Now it's second and nine. Then there's an incomplete pass. All of a sudden it's third and nine. It's like, where did this come from? This is this is how quickly it changes. You go from being able to move down the field like it's nothing to third and nine. Now you're looking at the defense saying these guys can't do very much. And then that's when Zadarius Smith gets his one op just just one opportunity, one big play at the right time. That's the reason teams shouldn't want to keep dinking and dunking down the field against the Packers. They need big plays to be able to get down the field. That's what the Packers have to prevent against. So I think the biggest thing, number one, is don't prevent big plays. Number two, the corners have to be on point. You cannot have Jair having a bad day giving up 200 yards. You cannot have King having a bad day giving up 200 yards. And and to that point with the, you know, as far as Jair is no good, look at how many yards. He, yes, Jair had a terrible week. 212 targets, eight receptions, 201 yards, and a touchdown. Not a good day. Here's the thing. Look at the last four weeks. Week four. Uh, two receptions on six targets for 19 yards. That, that by the way, and, and I know you think he's way better than Dak Stafford is, he's not way better than Wentz, I can promise you that. The Denver Broncos, he was f- targeted five times, only three of them were caught for a grand total of 20 yards. No touchdowns, two pass breakups. That's interesting, isn't it? Five targets, three receptions, two pass breakups. You know what that means? Every incompletion came because Jair got his hand on the ball. Against Minnesota, he was targeted eight times. Only three of them were caught for seven, or excuse me, for 49 yards. Against Chicago, eight targets, three receptions, 37 yards. The first four weeks, Jair has been a lockdown corner. He had one bad game against Amari Cooper. One. As long as he rebounds from that, it's all good, man. It's all good. Kevin King, same situation. He had one bad day against Denver. Seven targets, five receptions for 123 yards. That's that's rough. That was that accounted for about 50% of all the yards that were gained in that game. But look at week one. Four targets, two receptions, 14 yards. Three targets, one reception, 45 yards. Six targets, two receptions, 25 yards, and two pass breakups. Against Dallas, nine receptions, six yards for 72, or six receptions for 72 yards. These guys are playing pretty good football. Against Dallas wasn't great, and against Denver was terrible, but Chicago, Minnesota, and Philly, that's lockdown status, man. We're talking 5 of 13 for a grand total of what? 84 yards? 5 of 13 for 84 yards in three weeks. So we need Kevin King and Jair and these corners and, and, and DBs and whatnot to play some really, really, really good man-to-man, really, really good coverage. Let them run the ball. Let them grind for four, five, six, seven yards on the ground. I know we don't want that, and ideally we shut that down with little effort, but this is an opportunistic defense, probably the most opportunistic in the NFL. Successfully opportunistic. Obviously, a lot of defenses would like to take advantage of things, and this is their strategy going in. But as far as taking the ball away and getting sacks in big situations, they love nothing more than an offense that takes its time. So that's going to be the negative of grinding the ball on the ground, because eventually you're going to have to throw it. And the more opportunities you give this defense to punch the ball out, to get a big play behind the line of scrimmage, to bat the ball down, to get a sack, to get a pick, with every time you snap that ball on that drive, the, the, the defense's chances get a little bit higher. The, the odds that you're about to mess up get higher every single time you snap that ball. So there's going to be a desire, even though everybody looking at this goes, knows you got to just grind the ball. It makes perfect sense. They're not great against the run. You've got a talented running back. Your, your offensive line is decent. 
grind the ball, and then you got a good enough quarterback and good enough wide receivers to be able to distribute the ball when the opportunity arises. The problem is there's going to be an anxious nervousness about keeping this defense on the field against our offense. we got to get points before this defense makes a big play. There's going to be a strong desire to launch that ball down the field. They want big plays against the defense, and I think they believe there's some fool's gold out there that they believe they're going to get it. And again, the, the Packers have to be able to take that away. Not having Savage is going to be a problem. Having Redmond out there at safety, they're probably going to try to pick on that. The biggest benefit to us in that regard is that Kevin King and Jair Alexander have a lot of speed. Galladay and Jones don't. So this is probably going to be a lot of 50-50 balls. They're, I don't think they're going to have it necessarily a step, but uh, Kenny Galladay, for example, is a really tall receiver, so maybe they just launch it up to him, which is kind of why it would make sense to put Kevin King over there. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I know they don't really shadow, so it might be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But if the strategy is we're going to put a real good ball up high on Kenny Galladay, I'm telling you, that's as much as I've been down on Kevin King and still am not 100% sold on him as a perfectly well-rounded lockdown corner, I have said consistently, one thing you will not do to Kevin King is launch it over his head and win that 50-50 ball on a go route. I've never seen him get beat on that. Maybe once I feel like it might have happened, but I, I it just it just doesn't happen. He gets beat pretty consistently, but not on that. Maybe if it's a double move or something, but you're not just running in a straight line. And then with uh, you know Marvin Jones being six foot two, obviously he's taller than Jair, but most most receivers are. So I you know again for the Packers, just just keep. I think you just keep doing what you're doing. Keep the game in front of you. Let you try as hard as you can to limit those big plays. And then just keep doing what you're doing. Just just count on getting them into that third and long and just get them off the field. It doesn't matter if they've dominated your defense from their 20 all the way down to our 20 and then we take the ball away. I don't care. Nobody should care about the stats. If he throws a pick in the end zone after that and everybody's like, oh, they just get lucky. Uh, their, their defense is terrible. Whatever. Guess what? Our ball. That's the strategy, man. And, and listen, Petten can play it differently. He can try to load the box and just, you know, take away all these little things and, and dink and dunk stuff, and then you got to try to throw it over our head. And bl- No. Why? This is what we do. We, we trained for this. We practice this. This was the whole goal is, is getting better at takeaways and, and getting better pass rushers so that we can play this way. Travis put up the note from uh, Packers Wire about how the Packers lead the NFL in pressure percentage without blitzing. This is what the Bears were so dominant in last year, just bringing four and getting pressure. That's what made them so good because you didn't have to bring exotic things and this and that and the other thing to get pressure, which we did have to do in prior years. The Packers are built for this, and this is what it's going to be. And if teams want to get on their high horse and talk about lucky, they can talk all they want. They've luckied their way to four and one. All right, now let's flip it to the other side here. There's there's issues on both sides of the ball here for, for the Green Bay Packers the biggest benefit, the, the offensive line hasn't been as good as it's been in the past, but they've gone up against just absolute monsters, and this is not it. Brian Balaga, if Trey Flowers, who seemingly is, is again on Brian Balaga's side, all the best pass rushers are lined up on the offensive right side of the football field. It's such a weird thing, and, and according to PFF, that's where they're lining him up the most right now. But that's great, because Bakhtiari has not been playing like his normal self. He is being graded as an average tackle right now. I don't even want to look up his ranking because it's probably not even in the top 20. But Brian Balaga is going to have probably the easiest task he's had against a talented pass rusher. But the other issue that they're going to have, the Detroit Lions, is that this defensive line, which I have been scared of for some time, is is kind of hurt a little bit. And we'll, we'll see because a lot of these guys are going to end up coming back and they're going to play and, and we'll see what they're able to do. But even even you look at guys like Snacks Harrison, he has been struggling. 
I mean, it's it's kind of across the board. You got a lot of players. You know, Kenny Clark has been struggling. If I if, if we're gonna give Snacks Harrison the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, but we know he's a really good run defender and he's gonna have a great fine. Then Kenny Clark is gonna get three sacks in this game. I mean, if, if we're gonna play that game, let's play that game. Bottom line is he's struggling, and this run defense is nowhere near. I mean, the individual components are not what they were last year. Trey Flowers is not as good as he was last year. Snacks Harrison is not as good as he was last year. Ashawn Robinson is not playing anywhere near as good as he did last year. Deshaun Hand, who's probably playing in this week, it's his first week back, so again, don't know what you can exactly expect from that. Otherwise, they got a guy in there by the name of Kevin Strong who's been filling in. That's been terrible. So Ashawn Robinson, Damon Harrison, Deshaun Hand, Mike Daniels, Trey Flowers, like this this dominant group, you know, Romeo Aquara. These guys are just not up to snuff. I mean, Aquara's doing a decent enough job pass rushing. He's actually having an up year. Um, I, I would say the defensive line is not nearly as good in run defense as I expected, but the pass rush is probably a little bit better than I had expected. We'll see how that materializes, because I believe when they played the Chiefs, they did not have their left tackle in play, Fisher, if I'm not mistaken. That's going to be advantage Detroit Lions. They also played the Chargers, and they played the Cardinals. Both of those teams have very serious offensive line issues. The Eagles are solid, but Chiefs minus their left tackle, Chargers, and Cardinals are, it's a really bad group. So outside of the Eagles, the Packers are probably the best offensive line they've faced so far. So I I guess the point is, I think the Packers can have some success running the ball, which is going to be important, because as much as I think the Packers can and probably will distribute the ball, this is going to have to be a balanced attack, and they're going to have to get good at this without having Devontae Adams, because there's nobody you can really lean on. I know Packers fans love their guy, right? Marquez is really, really, he's just not, though. Right, he can do some stuff really well, and if Rodgers can get that, that ball to him, he probably would have just about a big play touchdown in every single game if Rodgers could get him the ball, because he's, he's getting open at least once deep down the field every game. Allison is reliable, especially, you know, you want a big third down conversion, you get a guy like Allison in there, but he's not a guy you lean on. Aaron Jones, maybe you can lean on, and so that's why it'd be important to try to get this going, real encouraged by what the offensive line was able to do to push guys out of the way, and again, if this defensive line is not quite as good as it was, these linebackers are no good. And then the safeties at the next level, um, as much as Tracy Walker is pretty good in coverage, he is horrific as a run defender, really, really bad. Quandre Diggs obviously is, is that guy. But, you know, as much as the, the Detroit Lions I looked at and said, this is a team that's going to be hard to run against, it's really just their front four. And at this point, their front four isn't doing that much. So push them out of the way, get up to the next level. Linebackers can't do much. Quandre Diggs is, is decent enough as a strong safety, but they, they don't have much else, man. They got some big boys up front that are talented, like Snacks Harrison and Deshaun Hand. Outside of that, they're really, really bad. Other than that, I mean, you know, Coleman in the slot has been really, really solid. But again, it's just... I, I just think the Packers are going to have success. The, the run game is going to be the most important because if they do shut it down, which I don't think they will, um, Aaron, jo- Aaron Jones looked like his old self. I don't know what exactly they did. I need to look into this or find a way to look into this. I believe they got away from trying to stretch Aaron Jones outside and allowed him to run essentially what Mike McCarthy was running, which is a little bit more inside, a little bit because it, it's it's quicker. Right, the, the outside zone is slower developing where Rodgers runs basically out to about where the tackle is and hands the ball to Jones out there, and, and defenses are able to swarm. Aaron Jones is real good at take the ball and just run real fast. Right, There's a hole there, and he's going to hit it real quickly, and he's going to get right through it, and he's going to be real slippery. I, I, I mean, if that can continue for the season, the Packers are in a real good spot. 
because then they just need, you know, we just need one guy to show up at, at one time. And really, a lot of it has to do with the scheme. It's not even the talent of the receiver, right? We're, we're going to dump it off to Lewis in the flat. We're going to hit Jimmy Graham coming across the middle. We got Allison 20 yards down the field catching some, you know, not even 50-50. It's, it's like a 33% ball because there's two guys right next to him, but he's got great hands. We just need guys to show up for a little while in tight spots, and the guys have been able to do that. And Aaron Rodgers, despite all the talk about him not being what he was, I think he's doing a great job of really just being, as much as it sounds insulting, kind of just being a game manager. And I don't mean that to be insulting. It's just make good decisions and good... good. In other words, we're not going to put the game on your back and, and make you play hero ball. Just make the right decision and make a good throw in that right decision at that moment. That's all you have to do, and he's doing it. And so I, I think starting off, at, you know, a good amount of Jones and getting that going, because once that gets going, I think it's pretty much game over. You know, nothing's impossible. You know, you start looking at their defense being opportunistic as well. If they're able to get turnovers, that can really change the course of this game. But playing good fundamental football, limit um, big plays when we're on defense, grind it down when we're on offense, run the ball. And then again, as much as they've got a couple corners and a couple players that can do stuff, the bottom line is the Packers are going to distribute the ball. And, and if you got one guy that's playing real good, that's great. We just won't throw it there. But we got, you know, Darius Slay's. Well, Darius Slay isn't going to lock down anything because Scantling is faster and taller. So you're going to need help. But from who? Your garbage linebackers or Tracy Walker, who's supposed to be sitting on Jimmy Graham all day long? Or your run defending garbage coverage Quandre Diggs safety? I just think the Detroit Lions are, are overmatched. I think as much as you can look at it and say, well, the, the Packers' offense isn't that good. Lewis isn't that good. Graham isn't that good. Scantling isn't that good. Allison isn't that good. These guys aren't that good. Yeah, but you can't cover them all, and we can get the ball to them all. That's the problem. You don't have the personnel to stop all of these people, and you don't have the pass rush necessary to put pressure on Rodgers that we, we don't allow these routes to develop. And I don't know if you have the run defense to stop Aaron Jones. I just think you're overmatched. And at that point, it really just comes down to the defense, and, and again, just don't just just play smart. Please stay inside your gap. Please play aggressive football and attack the runner rather than being passive. I'm entirely talking to Blake Martinez here. I know in some sense you're sort of the last line of defense, so you're scared, but you being scared is causing a lot of these problems. Daryl Bevel's a pretty good offensive coordinator, so we got to be in our P's and Q's. Interesting note about Daryl Bevel, by the way. I don't know if you knew this or not. He was the quarterback's coach in 2005 when Aaron Rodgers got drafted. So a little passing ships in the night kind of moment. Isn't that, isn't that sweet? I don't, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but just looked it up, and it's a thing. He then went on to be the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. So he's done a lot of good for the Packers over the over the last uh, you know decade or so. Hopefully he can do us one more solid this year as the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. Anyways, them's my thoughts. i got to hurry up and get some of these other things done, at least getting the uh, stock market thing going. But you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you probably later today, if not tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.